We are continuing our series this morning in John chapter 10, if you want to turn there. John chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at Jesus as the Good Shepherd, specifically verses 11 through 15. And I'll say this as you're turning there this morning, I think it's good for our hearts. I think it's often the case that we have people around us, whether it's family or friends, that say, I love you. And that's a wonderful thing to hear. It's something that our hearts need to hear. But I think it's also the case that we also need to have love shown to us. That someone actually does something for us. And also that as we love others, we do things for them. And we don't just declare love for others, but we want to demonstrate love for them as well. And one of the ways I, I believe that my mom didn't just say that she loved me, but also demonstrated that as well. I mean, there's, there's thousands of things I could mention. It could be the countless hours that she counseled me in high school and college and gave me advice and support. It could be the time where uh, in middle school she worked at the school where I went to and on a hard day I could go in and, and talk to mom in the office. But one of the things that sticks out for me uh, that really demonstrated love to me from my mom was eggs. And it was cheesy eggs. It was cheesy scrambled eggs. And it was cheesy scrambled eggs at three in the morning. Uh, because there was one summer, it was actually, I think, two summers, where my job was to dig basements and um, pour the concrete. I worked with a contractor who uh, poured footers and foundations and concrete walls. And to get away from the summer heat, he would expect us to be on the job site no later than 4 a.m. And so my mom, every morning, all summer, would demonstrate her love for me by getting up, cooking me a hearty breakfast of cheesy eggs, and then giving me a hug and saying she hoped I had a great day at work. That was just one of those things for me that even now in my 40s, I reflect back and be like, I don't know if my kids had that job if I'd be getting up at 3 a.m. to fix them eggs. But my mom did. And it always expressed to me in that small act of making eggs at 3 in the morning of, I love you. This is, this is my way of showing it. Yes, I'll get up early in the morning and make you eggs. But we not only need to hear the declaration of someone saying, I love you, but we, we need to see it demonstrated. And, and not just to see it demonstrated, but to, to experience that love towards us. This is one of those passages that we look at in verses 11 through 15, where over and over, God tells his people who look to him, I love you. But this passage shows Jesus Jesus is showing us how he's going to demonstrate that love. That he is the kind of good shepherd who will lay his life down for his sheep. So, cheesy eggs every morning of the summer, wonderful demonstration of love. I remember it fondly. And I'll call my mom up this afternoon and thank her once again for that wonderful summer. And all those fine eggs. But this morning I want to look at the greatest love. That's why Jesus says that no one has greater love than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. That's the love we're going to see for us here this morning. Would you stand for the reading of God's word, the Good Shepherd, verses 11 through 15 of chapter 10. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Amen. The reading of God's word who loves you and wants you to know him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you would send your son and that he would call himself the good shepherd and that he would lay his life down for the sheep. Jesus, help us by your spirit this morning to be confident that you care for us and that you love us more than we could ever fully understand. We ask all of this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to see, show, really show us together this morning how Jesus loves us by showing that Jesus deeply cares for his sheep. Jesus deeply cares for his sheep. And then secondly, I want to show how Jesus intimately relates to his sheep as we see here in this passage. So I want to look first at Jesus cares deeply for his sheep. Now, my kids know this. One of my favorite things uh, to watch when it has come out, the first one was Planet Earth. Don't know if any of you saw that, but also then Planet Earth 2. And really, as much as I like watching it, I like listening to it. If you know the, the voice of David Attenborough, I mean, he's just got this golden British voice that I could listen to all day long. I'm actually quite envious of. But you have David Attenborough in his British voice, and one of the things that frequently comes up on planet Earth is when wolves are attacking some kind of herd of something, whether it be bison, caribou, sheep. And of course, he says in this wonderful British accent, here comes the sheep. Okay, I, I can't even say it. I'm not even going to try. Or here comes the wolf, all right? And one of the things that you see the strategies of these wolf packs is to separate the youngest and the weakest from the herd, and, and to somehow get distance between the mom and the rest of everybody else, distance between them and the baby, so that the wolves have an easy snack. And, and David Attenborough will say one, if, if he can just get enough distance between the baby and the pack, death is imminent. Okay, okay all right, I'm going to stop with the voice. Liz knows I'm just aching to try that British accent this morning. But if you can get distance, then the wolf can have victory. This passage talks about a wolf that's coming, that's threatening the sheep, a wolf that wants to come and, and threaten all of us. And, and one of the things that I would say sin's strategy is in our hearts, and our lives, this sin's strategy in my heart, and, and I would say even your heart, here's one of its proven strategies to try to distort or deny or diminish God's goodness in such a way in your heart that slowly or quickly or maybe imperceptibly you begin to distance yourself from God. That's sin's strategy. To somehow deny or diminish or distort God's goodness so that you'll begin to distance yourself from Him. That was His strategy in the Garden of Eden, the serpent's strategy. And it is still his strategy to, to try to convince you that God is not good. And so you slowly distance yourself from him. But when you do that, your easy prey for the wolf that wants to come and devour. 
Jesus is talking about a wolf here, but he's showing even more than just simply the, the danger of the wolf is the care that the shepherd has for his sheep. And so if sin's strategy is to distort or deny or diminish God's goodness so that you'll distance yourself from him, God's gracious strategy is to clarify your vision of his goodness so that you won't distance yourself from him, but that by his grace you'll draw near to him. You'll notice multiple times here in this passage that Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. He's trying to convince all of our hearts by his grace to show us how good he is and how deeply he cares for his sheep. And he clarifies just how good his heart is by contrasting it with how bad another's heart is. You see that as he contrasts himself with the hired hand here in this passage. One of the first things that you see is that Jesus shows that he deeply cares for his sheep by saying that he is a shepherd. Uh, You'll notice this in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And then notice verse 12. Another character comes on the scene. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. So there's the first contrast. Jesus, in his heart, at his core, is a shepherd. But sometimes there's someone else who gets close to the sheep, and here he's critiquing the religious leaders of his day. This is also why Ezekiel chapter 34 is the background of John chapter 10, where Ezekiel was criticizing the religious leaders of the day. And he's saying, listen, here's here's these supposed shepherds, but they're really just hired hands. A shepherd is not who they are at their core. They can act like a shepherd. They can do shepherding kinds of things. But if ever it gets to the point where their job or their calling is not comfortable or convenient, they are out. And Jesus says the reason that he deeply cares for his sheep is because he is a shepherd. He doesn't act like one. He is one. Because he is a shepherd, it is natural for Jesus when sheep are lost to seek them. It's natural for Jesus' heart that when sheep have strayed to, to go do whatever it takes to gather them back. That when they're weak, because he is a shepherd, he does whatever it takes to strengthen them. And because he is a sheep, whenever his sheep are injured, he does whatever it takes to bind them up. He does those things because he is a shepherd. He is not a hired hand who's only in it as long as it's comfortable and convenient for him. He shows that he deeply cares because he is a shepherd. He has the heart of a shepherd. And he also deeply cares because he says, these are his own sheep that we're talking about here in this passage. You can see in verse 11, it says, the good shepherd lays, his, lays down his life for the sheep. And then in verse 13, or excuse me, in verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. That's a frequent word here all throughout chapter 10 is my own sheep. They are my sheep. The reason that he cares so much is not only because he is the shepherd, but because they are his sheep. You'll notice he contrasts this again with 
the hired hand in verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. The reason he couldn't care less about the sheep is because they're not his. And Jesus says, the reason I care so much about the sheep is because they are mine. And let me mention three ways that these sheep are Jesus's. And if you trust in him, these are three ways that you are the sheep of Christ, one of his own. First, by election. One of the beautiful things that Jesus will say later on in this passage are, he'll say to one of the Pharisees, you are not my sheep. But then he'll go on to say, the sheep whom the Father has given to me from all eternity. The Father gave to his Son a flock and said, these are yours by grace, the grace of election. Care for them by creation. These are sheep that not only the Father gave to the Son to care for, but also through creation, Jesus as a shepherd made. We say that in Colossians chapter 3, that Jesus is the one through whom the Father made all things, including each of us. They were his by creation. And then finally, by redemption. That's why Paul will say later in his epistles, do you not realize that you are not your own, that you've been bought with a price? The Apostle Peter would say, and that price was the precious blood of Jesus. The reason Jesus cares so deeply for his sheep is because he is a shepherd and they are his own sheep. And the way that he shows that he cares, not just says it, the way that he shows is that he lays his life down. Again, to get a clearer view of his heart, he contrasts his heart with the shepherd. You can see this at halfway through verse 12. It says that the hired hand sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The, the moment this calling will cost the hired hand anything, he's out because he's not a shepherd. They're not his own sheep. And you'll see he doesn't care at all. You can see in verse 13, Jesus says this, he flees because he's a hired hand. And the saddest thing that he says is, and he cares nothing for them at all. He cares nothing for the sheep. And Jesus says the reason he's the good shepherd is because he lays his life down. If he's contrasting it with the, with the hired hand here, in verse 13, it says, who cares nothing for the sheep? What Jesus is saying, the reason I am the good shepherd is because I care immensely for the sheep. I'm not the hired hand who really doesn't care at all and who leaves the moment things get uncomfortable or costly. I'm the shepherd who owns the sheep and at the cost of my own life, I protect them. Do you see how sin wants to distort, deny, or diminish God's goodness and so distance yourself from him. But grace comes in and begins to clarify and says, this savior, this shepherd is a good shepherd because he, he cares for the sheep. They're his own. He is a shepherd and he cares so much that he would lay his life down to care for them. Not only to protect them from the wolf, but also to provide them redemption forgiveness of their sins. I love it how Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. He says this, he says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, 
Okay, it's, and really what I think Paul is saying there is the person who thinks they're righteous, who thinks that they're really a good moral person who keeps the law, they tend to be someone who's a little bit harsh on other people. And Paul is saying at a human level, if you had an opportunity to like die for them for some reason, you'd probably go, I don't think so. Just going to let them take that hit. Then he says, but there are others, he said, for, for a genuinely good person, like let's say someone that you really care about, that they're, they're authentic and real and they're, they're loving and kind. He says, one may even dare to die for them. But notice what Paul says. He says, but God, in other words, he's contrasting. He says, as many of us, for many of us, the closest we'll get is, I, I dare, I might dare to die for you. He says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. Again, demonstrates. He doesn't just say it. He demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus gave his life willingly. He says, I lay my life down for the sheep. He's the good shepherd. What does this mean for you this morning? Again, your heart does not simply need to hear the declaration of God's love for you. You need to hear that. You need to hear that declaration. But also you need to see the demonstration of his love for you in the gospel of Christ, who is a good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And this really, this reality when God demonstrates his love for you in this way, it can have at least, I think there's many more, two concrete responses in your heart. And here's one. The more that you grow in understanding how much he cares for his sheep, which means you, if you trust in him, you become increasingly confident that he cares for you in every season and every circumstance. Every season, every circumstance. In seasons of joy, you go, I know Jesus is a good shepherd and he cares for me. In seasons of sorrow, I know he's a good shepherd and I'm confident that he cares for me because he's a shepherd, because he loves his own and he laid his life down. In seasons where everything's going really well, you can be confident that he cares for you. In seasons where everything is not going well, and sin wants to convince you he's not really that good. And so you begin to distance. Grace comes along and says, no, he's a good shepherd. He cares for his sheep. He laid his life down for the sheep. And instead of distancing yourself, you draw near because you're still convinced that he cares for you in every season and circumstance. But also, you grow in love for him as you grasp his love for you. I think that's, that's something for all of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. There should be a longing in our hearts that says, I wish I loved him more. And that's one of those things where you can't say, okay, so I'm going to make myself love him more. Monday morning, I'm going to wake up and work out those muscles. They're going to get bigger. He's going to say, no, Paul will say this in Ephesians chapter 3. You grow in your love for Christ as you increasingly grasp his prior love to you. And so if you want to grow in your love as a sheep for the shepherd, you remind yourself as often as you can, 
He is a good shepherd. He cares deeply for his own sheep and he cares so much that he laid his life down for us. What a contrast to anyone else who claims to help and come along the way, who simply leaves as soon as it gets costly or uncomfortable. Jesus deeply cares for his sheep. But he also intimately relates to his sheep. You can see this as we move forward here in this passage, especially in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. That's one of the beautiful things that Scripture will say about uh, our hearts, mine and yours, is that because of Genesis 1 through 2, all of us are hardwired for relationship. Every single one of us here in this room, here's something that we know that Scripture tells us. You were made to love and to be loved. Uh, you were made to, to know and to be known in relationship. And you were made to serve and to be served in community, in, in relationship, in family, in friendship with one another. Your heart is designed for relationship with one another and with God. But, but sin comes into that picture and ruptures all of it and messes all of it up. And, and one of the things that happens here is, is Jesus shows that through his life, death, and resurrection, he reconciles us back to God. It begins to repair that relationship. And I love how here, if, if at first he clarifies the view of the goodness of God's heart by contrasting it with the hired hand, here, one of the things Jesus does is to clarify for you a vision of how good God's, God's heart is by comparing it to his relationship with the Father. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, so my sheep, or I know my own, and my own know me. So I want to look first at this relationship between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father. The Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father. Knowing in Scripture is a whole lot deeper than simply knowing facts about. Uh, you could know facts about me. I was born in Bloomington, Indiana. I grew up on a farm. I went to Ball State. But, but still, you can know those things about me, but really not know me. And Jesus is saying, listen, with his relationship with the Father, and the Father's relationship with him, it is a relationship of full and complete knowledge. I mean, they know each other exhaustively. They know everything about each other. The Father knows the Son in that way, and the Son knows the Father in that way. And it's not just that they're fully and completely known. It's that they deeply value each other as well. And care for each other. It's, it's a wonderful how in the Gospel of John, Jesus is concerned that he, he does everything to glorify the Father. And the Father wants to glorify the Son. And what's staggering here is that Jesus will take this relationship between himself and the Father and he will use the language of just as. Two words in English, one word in Greek. It's a theme all throughout John's gospel. Let me mention to you a couple other times that Jesus mentions this. Chapter 5, verse 23. The Son is to be honored. 
just as the Father is. John chapter 8, verse 28, the Son speaks to us just as the Father speaks to the Son. Chapter 15, verse 10, we are to abide in Christ's love just as Christ abides in the Father's love. John 17, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, just as the Father loves the Son, so does the Father love His people. Just as. Jesus says that. It's a staggering statement. Just as in verse 15. So he says, I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And so he's saying to his sheep, I know you completely and fully. And I wonder if any of you this morning kind of get this sense where you go, whoo. I think to be known, really known, is something that we long for and also that we fear. We, we want to be intimately and deeply known. But there's a measure in which we go, but not that much. Because we're concerned that if someone really knows us, they might walk away from us. You know, here's, many of you can remember this as kids. Played this all the time growing up in southern Indiana, uh, in the woods and things like that, in our house. Hide and seek. We're all familiar with that game. Let me mention the different phases of that game so you can practice it and be experts at it. Phase one, find the best hiding place you can. Uh, For me, we lived in a, a log cabin when I was very, very young, and there was this little space underneath the stairs that I could get into that nobody else could. Man, it was awesome. I won every time. Phase one, find the best hiding place you can. Phase two of hide and seek. When you hear those footsteps getting close, when you hear them yelling out, where are you? I'm going to find you. You're just real quiet like, don't breathe. Don't let them find you. Now here's the thing. I experienced this a few times. Let's say time goes on. Time goes on. More time goes on. It's almost as if you've chosen a spot that was too good. They they can't find you. And you find that phase three shifts a little bit, and now it's, I hope somebody finds me. I feel kind of alone underneath the stairs here. I hear everybody playing. Have they forgotten about me? What's going on? You know, we play that as a kid, and and one of the things I think all of us do intuitively, to some extent, is we're still playing hide-and-seek. And And now it's not as a fun game, but it's, I'm going to hide this part of my life so that I can control what you know and what you don't know. Because if you knew this, you might be afraid, not know how to engage it, and just avoid or you might get disgusted and turn away. And Jesus says, as a good shepherd, he comes and he seeks you. And he finds you. And he knows you. He knows you completely. 
He knows you thoroughly. And for him, the comfort of the good shepherd who owns his sheep and lays his life down is he says, listen, I'm a good shepherd. You don't have to hide. I already know it all. And I love you. I see it all. And I care for you. Those things in secret that nobody else knows about, he sees those things, those weaknesses, those faults, those sins, those pains and sorrows, whatever they are that either hardly anyone sees or no one sees at all. Even this morning, he says, I see those and I'm drawing near to you. And you kind of go, but then you know his goodness. You sense his tenderness, his kindness. And he goes, I'm still moving towards you. And here's the wonderful thing. Not only does he say, I know you, but now he gives you an invitation. He says, you know me. His own sheep know him. It's an invitation. Jesus knows his sheep, and Jesus says that his sheep know him. Let me mention here, by way of application, what J.I. Packer calls unspeakable comfort. I'm going to give a plug here for our men's group led by Brian this summer. This comes from Knowing God. That's what the men are going to be studying this summer. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole book. This is the kind of comfort you can have as one of Christ's sheep. This is what Packer says. I know him, that's God, because he first knew me and he continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me. And there is no moment when his eye is off of me or his attention distracted from me and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. Now listen to this paragraph, so important. He says, this is momentous knowledge. This is unspeakable comfort. And knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in the way that I am so disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. It's as if we're afraid of him really knowing us and kind of walking away and he's trying to get towards and he's like, not to curse, but to bless, to give myself so that you will know me and how good I am and draw near to me. And the last one is just that, receiving that genuine invitation. Jesus wants you to know him. Saying, I am your good shepherd. I care for you. I laid my life down for you. I know you. I want you to know me. I want to end with this this morning. Some of you know this. Maybe some of you don't. And forgive me if you've heard this uh, 10, 20 times. I'll share it for the 11th or 21st time. Um, This is the passage that God used to convert me. This passage is so powerful for me. Uh, My friends, it was this time of year. uh, They gave me a gift at graduation, Jenny and Hillary. I did not like Christianity. I never wanted to be a Christian, but they were fun. I mean, crazy fun. And they were genuine. They were real. They they weren't self-righteous. 
they were so kind to be around and they cared for me. They cared so much for other people. And so for graduation, they give me this little box. And of course, after the graduation party, I open it up and I got angry. There they go again, trying to convert me. They gave me a Bible with my name on it, which makes me feel even worse if I get rid of it. But I wanted nothing to do with that Bible. I thought Christianity was about being weak and it was just some kind of crutch that people needed. And by the way, all Christians are self-righteous and hypocritical. I mean, I was angry. I never wanted anything to do with it. And so I didn't know what to do. I drive my truck into Brown County State Park uh, near a fire tower and I'm sitting on a bench and I'm like, okay, this is not for me. And so I take my Bible, I throw it in the trash. Thank you, Jenny and Hillary, but no thank you. I can do without. Uh, Day three after that experience, I'm driving in my truck, and this was my view of God. Um, If he does exist, and you throw his Bible in a trash can, like he might hit me with lightning or something just to get back at me, right? Like, how dare you do that? I thought, so this isn't good. I should at least, you know, maybe read it. Who Who knows? And so I go back now, so one of my friend's dad uh, worked at the park there, and he later told me that they they usually uh, clean the trash out every day, at the end of the day, go along, pick out all the trash. Well, thankfully, they had not done that at this particular trash can by the fireplace, fire tower. And let's just say it's covered, just, I mean, it's at the bottom of the trash can, and the trash can's like this tall, and I had to dive. I mean, just start throwing out trash, and there it is at the bottom, just covered, and you can imagine what it was covered in. I didn't know how to read the Bible, didn't know what to do. It was strange to me, and I just said, okay, okay, here I open it. John 10. I don't know where to start in John 10, so I guess I'll start here. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep by name. And it's as if that moment... I did not hear an audible voice, but as if if Jesus was so close, he said, Clay, I know you. I know how you've been hurt by the church and disappointed in the church. I know the fears that you have. I know the sorrows that you have. I know all the things inside of your heart, your sin, your darkness, all of it. And I'm coming for you right now because I'm a kind of shepherd who seeks the lost. And I'm good. And I thought, man. In that moment, I'm, I'm open to my Bible and I just said, okay, I'm here. And it's as if he came back and was like, stop running. I'm good. And, and if in that moment he said, I want you to know my heart. I lay my life down for the sheep. In that moment, I felt known like never before. And it was the beginning of an invitation for him to say, and now you can know my heart too. And so my encouragement for all of you this summer is, do you want to know the heart of Christ as your good shepherd? So many of you are going to take trips to different places and this and that, spend time here and spend time there. Spend time in this. It gave me new life on a park bench on a summer day in 1999. And it can renew you, it can revitalize you, it can fill you, 
But I invite you that through this word right here, you can get to know the heart of Christ who loves his sheep, cares for his sheep, lays his life down for the sheep. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you care enough to pursue a a 19-year-old kid in Brown County State Park who had thrown your word in a trash bin and you still sought the lost in that moment. You gave me a new heart. You gave me a hunger for you and your word. Jesus, we thank you that your word shows us how good your heart is by showing that you deeply care for your sheep and that you long to intimately relate to your sheep because you laid your life down for us. Lord, we accept that invitation this morning to be known by you and to know you. Help us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.